Welcome on to Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, J.D. of hoodoohousedetroit.com in Michigan. In just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Idlewood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by the special guest, Zmanzilla of Pangee.com in Seattle, Washington bring us today's Oracle Hour topic of Sesamera. We will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as divined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from, from among those signed up on the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com, and called in on the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment. But first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Irwood and Con German. Miss Kat? Hi, J.D. Nice to hear your voice. Well, obviously, we have a substitute announcer today. So let's just uh, say hello, J.D., and ask, how are things going in Detroit? Thanks, Ms. Kat. Things are going pretty well here. Been very busy and cold. Um, um, working on some a lot of honey jars lately. It's been um, an uptick, so I think that we're really in the Christmas spirit with um, the clients and their love work. Um, how are things in Forestville? Well, wow. Um, it's been... Um the weather has been changeable, a little bit of drizzle, a little bit of rain, a little bit of sun, a little bit of whatever. Right now, we just sort of are white, whitish gray out there, and um, we've been uh, working really hard making oils, and um, in fact, I just got the notice today we need to buy more gallons of uh, almond oil because we're running out, <laughs> so people are buying oils very rapidly, which is nice to know, and uh, we make them in, uh, you know, fairly, you know, they're all handmade, so we don't make them like, you know, you can't run a thousand oils, it wouldn't make any sense. But we make them in dozens. And uh, But we got so many dozens going that we're running out of oil. So we had to do an emergency oil run, <laughs> which is interesting. Um, other than that, um, gee, I can't really think of much that's going on. I've been working very hard on my Patreon stream, Um I have been working on a series called Railroad Magic, and now my patrons get to see it one year in advance of everybody else. And the fourth and last installment is coming up on Tuesday. So Railroad Magic is not the same as Railroad Spike Magic, which is made with those big old railroad spike nails, but it's the magic of railroads themselves, the the tracks, the wheels, the trucks, the the boxcars, the flat cars, the passenger cars, you name it, it's railroad magic. So that's kind of a, a topic that I have never written about before, although I've mentioned it before. But it all got started when um, Miss Miranda 
They did a show with us several weeks ago on railroad magic, and I realized I did have a lot to say about it. And so um, I will be um, putting out the last installment. And Nangashiva, you are right. It's the seventh Thursday. I always I get confused when we change from one month to the other because my Patreon yeah. uh, articles come out the seventh, the fourteenth, the twenty-first, and the twenty-eighth. And every month that jumps, and now we're into December, so it won't be Tuesday. Thank God that was a little much doing it on Tuesday because we also we also do Tech Team Tuesday and make a brand new page for. The Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. So that's how things are here. Busy, very, very busy. So let's bring in Conjurman. How are you today, dear? I'm doing quite well. Busy as well. Uh, I cannot honestly believe that we're in December. It's uh, yeah. it's another it's another year for the book. But it was just one of the ones where I just got used to writing 2023. <laughs> the date. And now I'm going to have to get used to writing 2024. I can't believe we're in December. It went by so weirdly uh, that we're now at the end and looking at the next year, the new year in the face. So I'm I'm scrambling to finish some deadlines, <laughs> which uh, are are due in like a couple weeks and in a couple days. So it's been busy, about to get busier, and I'm very much looking forward to the holiday break where I can finally, you know, catch up on things that I've been meaning to do but haven't had a chance to do. Overall, though, um, it's been you know the theme of of love clients is going very strong. I have a sneaking suspicion that it'll remain true throughout the month of December where everyone is sort of asking for reconciliation work uh, or work to reunite with, with lost love. Um, and it's in, in that light that I've got to once more, I, I did it before, but I've got to once more give a shout out to St. Anthony, a, a public thanks to St. Anthony who's been uh, coming through just so, so incredibly, finding that which is wayward and that which is lost. Um, for those of you that were listening to the radio show a couple of weeks ago, uh, we did some working with St. Anthony and, and gave, gave public praise. And here we are only two weeks later, and yet again, the results are just stunning and amazing in that regard. So lots of work around love, lots of work around reconciliation, which in turn has a fantastic effect on the mood and in the house and the altars. Everything smells good. Everyone, every, you know, I'm leaving the house with a little bit of a, a, a you know, a skip to my step, as they say, <laughs> a little bit of energy, mostly because I'm doing such such uh, fulfilling and, and, and wonderful love work. So it's been busy, but good. Yeah. Well, I'd say um, as far as love work, I guess maybe because I'm a female reader, I get an awful lot of love clients who are, you know, women and mm-hmm. looking for love help. And... um and I'm always there to offer love help. But I've been finding um, this month, this past month, a lot of long-term relationships and marriage situations that have required readings. Rather than looking for new love or being dumped mm. or whatever it would be, There's there's been a lot of um, how to fix a marriage kind of things. There also have been quite a few women calling me on Hoodoo Psychics. And I get on Hoodoo Psychics several times a week, and those are the instant readings that you can get with me. They cost a little more, but I'm right there. Those people are calling me up the minute they've been ghosted by some 
man. Usually it's mm. a woman ghosted by a man. And there's so many of them, and they call Hootie Psyche. It's like, I just got ghosted. And I mean, they're talking like four hours ago, right? It's fresh. And um, so far, there seems to be an epidemic of ghosting. Now, this may have to do with the holidays because as the holidays approach, people start going back to their family that they left to be with the new girlfriend or they go back to mom's basement or wherever they came from. It's kind of an oddity that um, there are these weird sudden breakups right around the time of the holiday. But, of course, everyone wants to spend the holiday in love with someone, too. So big, it's a big uh, shift in the energy of love. Mm. All right. Well, that's uh, it happens every year, too. It happens every year, the, the yeah. love energy shift. I want to give a shout-out to some of the people in the chat. Um, Aya Asha Aya is there, and Dr. Sweets, uh, El Patricia, uh, Dr. Jeremy Weiss. Hi, Jeremy. Cousin Jeremy is there. Um, Phyllis Margaret Gabor. Um, the person whose name I always pronounce wrong, but I think it's something like Tioga, but maybe not. Um, Tony I, Wickway is up. And um, if you are listening to this in later years through our archives, Go right now and try to figure out how you can listen to these shows live and participate in our uh, chat because you learn a lot. Oh, and of course, it's Dom Christ. Uh, T-I-E-G-A-V is pronounced Dom Christ because why? (laughs) 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 This is is like, I will get this right someday. I promise Dom Christ that I will get it right. Okay. so, yeah, so these shows are all available in the archive, and um, I always tell people, come on over, but uh, when you go back into the archives, you'll see that hundreds, even thousands of people have watched certain shows, but, you know, it's at the time that's convenient to them. All right, well, I'm going to bring in our guest. So today we have a guest, someone that we um, were introduced through, uh, Dr. Jeremy. And he said, you've got to have Z-Manzilla on because it's uh, it's going to be a real wild ride, and I believe it will be. And so I'm going to uh, just say how I found out about Z-Manzilla and um, what he does. Um, he is a reader, and he uh, uh, this is the Oracle Hour, so we're going to be working with his t- favorite deck, okay? And... The deck is based on the children's show Sesame Street. Now, y'all remember that we, a few times we've done weird tarot decks. We did the Lisa Frank tarot. We did that um, Carnival Circus tarot. Um, we've done a few. Um, just reading some really old decks, Zolar's deck from the 30s and 40s, and there's a few others of that type. So this is putting us into that territory this is going to be a deck, but it will not be a Rider Waite Smith deck. Okay, so fasten your seatbelts, folks, and let's say hello to Z Manzilla. How you doing? Thank you so much. Uh, it is such a fantastic honor to be here, uh, Miss Cat. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I got to say that that you are a person who has really made a name for yourself primarily on TikTok, but your stuff is available at YouTube. Depends on if people like TikTok or YouTube. Um, you you take um, 
questions from your fans, and then you produce mm-hmm. a, a three-card cut for them. Um, now, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask the obvious question. These Sesame Street flashcards were, were created um, a number of years ago. They were created to teach kids numbers, shapes, and colors, and other and yes. things. <laughs> Do you know anything yeah. about the history of the Sesame Street flashcards? I ought to know. Nothing really. Like it, uh, I tried to do a little bit of follow-up on my own. The closest I could come to is they're produced by a company called Kappa Publishing, with a license from, from Sesame Street, uh, to produce them. They changed the design fairly frequently, um, and I happened to get my hands on the design that was going around dollar stores around the 2021, 2022 era. So. And they're out of print now, right? The, yeah, this particular set of designs, uh, they changed the images right around the time I was taken up on TikTok. I have a feeling I, – I don't want to take credit for it, but, you know, I, I'm totally right. the they had to change the designs. So. Okay. So uh, what I have here, helpfully added by Nagashiva in the chat – um, the deck is created with three decks of Sesame Street flashcards called Alphabet, Colors, and Numbers, published by Kappa Books in 2021, but they changed the contents and design. And the decks of the 2021 version of the cards are becoming increasingly rare and difficult to obtain. And um, and then, yeah, I guess we're quoting you here. You say, my plan to counter this is to produce my own version of the cards with original characters and designs, but retaining the original meanings. Okay. Yes. So tell us about this. Do, um, you you don't think you could approach Sesame Street and say, "Hey, bring these back into print," you because you'd have to pay a licensing fee, right? Well, no. And well, it, the thing is, I would ask, first I'd have to start by pr- approaching Kappa, who are the ones that purchase the license themselves to make cards. Got it. it. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the Children's Television Workshop is actually aware of my work, and I've actually done a reading for one of the writers of Sesame Street. Wow. And uh, she, she enjoyed her <laughs> reading very much. So I'm on Children's Television Workshop's radar, and they don't seem to have a problem with what it is I'm doing. Um, Kappa, on the other hand, <laughs> I guess they just decided they, they weren't in the business of divination tools. So Right. Got it. This is also, when you said that they were sold at dollar stores, this reminds me of the so-called um, Dollar Tree Tarot. It did, that wasn't what it was called, but it was a, a bizarre tarot deck. We've read that here, too, that was um, basically made by somebody for Dollar General or Dollar Tree or whatever that didn't know the tarot. And there's like the wrong numbers of cards and the wrong everything. I mean, it's the most crazy thing that you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Among other things, there are ones and aces in that deck. And um, it, it was put together by, by two people who designed it, um, named John Stetson and Doc Hilford. And so some people call it the, the Stetson-Hilford Tarot. It is not a tarot in the normal sense of the word. But those things, we got so many of them. We, you know, we just go to the dollar store and buy them. And then they were gone. And now people are paying all kinds of money for them. <laughs> so, uh, you know. Yeah, ever since I, I heard about them, I've been trying to get my hands on one as well. So, you know. Uh, it, those are, hard, it, those it, are really hard to find now. You might try to hit up um, John Stetson or... Or Doc Hilford, they may have some. Or maybe Jeremy has some extra ones squirreled away. I know he and I have talked about them. Um, Dr. Sweet says, I have three. <laughs> oh, well, 
Doctor, Doctor, yeah, we're hoarding them. Uh, we're hoarding them. Rubbing well, that wealth and riches in my face. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about what goes into taking a non-tarot deck, just a deck, a anything deck, and making it your own. I'm I'm just going to introduce this term I've used mm-hmm. before, which I call. Um, uh, reading the lettuce leaves in your vegetable crisper, which I found out one day at a party that I could do. I uh, There was a, a lettuce leaf that was sort of sticking out of the crisper. I went to go get a cold drink, and this lettuce leaf was partially out. And someone says, what does that mean? And I went, I don't know, well, just here. And I peeled it off, and I read three lettuce leaves in a row, and it was a very good reading. And people were a little stoned we were smoking cannabis at the time and people were like well read my lettuce leaves read my lettuce leaves and i ended up you know peeling out tons of lettuce leaves and of course the thing was the payoff was they had to eat the lettuce leaves as i read them to absorb them into themselves right so um, i'm no stranger to weird readings right um i there's another kind of reading um reading the first three delivery trucks that have words on them that pass you on the right, okay? Mm. <laughs> if you can imagine oh, that one. Or on the left, perhaps. But I'm in the passenger side always. So, so the, the idea right. of making readings um, is something that is so unusual. Many people go, well, I have to learn what is the meaning of the fool and the fool's journey. And they get stuck there for 25 years, and they go, I'm not sure I'm ready mm-hmm. to read yet. <laughs> so tell me how you got to where you are with your deck. Okay, so before I get into that more specific thing, I want to uh, kind of expand on what you were talking about and talk a little broadly about that phenomenon. Um, and I'm going to start with Star Trek. There was an episode they did, uh, I forget the name of it, it was, I think it was called Darmok and Jalot. And it was uh, the, the episode where the one alien only talks in metaphors that only make sense in his culture. So uh, Captain Picard will say, how are you doing? And the alien will be like, Tarmac and Jalad in Panagra, you know, and that's supposed mm-hmm. to mean something, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's only by understanding the cultural references that one understands the language. And that's a lot like how memes work nowadays on the Internet. You can just look at, like, a, a photograph of a girl smiling in front of a flaming building, and that has a meaning, right? Like that, mm-hmm. like people who who were there for it, understand that meaning. I like to think of tarot, tarot, excuse me, uh, very much in that same way, where it's a mimetic language. The thing is that all of the cultural references are anywhere from 100 to 500 years old. So the the trick of something like Sesamero is taking those, those, those cultural references and making them more contemporary to something that you understand. And I think the reason why Sesamero connects in that way is because we've all go, we all grew up with Sesame street. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I, you know, if I tell you, you know, uh, Grover in a waiter's outfit serving soup, you know, like you get certain images in your head automatically because you grew up with Grover serving soup to the guy. And sometimes it's too cold and sometimes there's a hair in it, you know, like mm-hmm. that sets it up. So, you know, it, the, that's sort of where Sesamero came from. Now, as to the specifics of how this actual deck and system came about, honestly, boredom, because I was, uh, you know, I, I was trying to be a, a content creator for, for TikTok at the 
time. Mm-hmm. And TikTok has a very particular taste when it comes to what it likes. You know, they, they have to mm-hmm. be little short, snacky things. There has to be a little bit of audience participation. And, you know, it has to be, you know, a little fun. And, and they have just one little extra quirky thing on top of it, right? You know, I have a goofy voice, so the quirk part is already included. But for the rest of it, I was just sort of shopping around the dollar store and just, you know, what can I get this cheap? And I see these flashcards. And I went, oh, you know, it's, uh, you know, that, that could be a fun thing. I saw there's actually another uh, person on TikTok that does a similar thing to me, goes by the name Chris for Pizza, who what they did was they would take those fridge magnets that do the fridge magnet, magnet poetry. And they had a mm-hmm. bunch of those in a box. Somebody would ask a question and they'd throw a magnet into the box and pull it out, and then whatever pieces of poetry came out, you know, they would form that into a sentence, and that was your fortune. And this was getting all kinds of views. So I was like, well, I, I need something like this, right? So mm-hmm. I saw the, yeah, so I saw the uh, the flashcards, and uh, they did four different decks of them. Um, there's uh, alphabet, colors, numbers, and beginning words. And so I bought all four of them, and I discovered that the beginning words had a lot of repeated artwork in it, and they weren't very interesting anyway. So I just went with the other three, put them, put them together in a deck, and just randomly one night answered a couple of questions that were on the – TikTok has this feature where you can just ask the universe a question or whatever, you know. And mm-hmm. so I pulled one of these questions. I answered that with the cards, just you know, sort of for funsies. Uh, and then I woke up the next morning to, to – tarot talk having serious discussions about whether or not Sesamero was a legitimate art. So like it was wow. literally overnight. I woke up to my phone blowing up. So. Well, you know, this again, to, to give people, and I know some of our folks in the chat have heard some of this before, but there are other things like um, radio tarot, um, which goes back to, especially to the days of the old AM stations. And if you're driving across country, each AM station has a certain range, They're, you know, except for unless you hear one of the border blaster radios. So you would just turn up and down your dial at random, and a song would come on. And that song would be the first card and the next card and so forth. And you would dial uh, these hmm. random songs, and that was Radio Tarot. And... and um, I know two people, myself being one, and a, a guy named Professor Charles Porterfield being the other, who independently discovered and named it Radio Tarot simultaneously, but only I did it 20 <laughs> years earlier because I'm 20 years older than him, right? <laughs> right. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of that kind of thing, and it actually goes back even further to the idea of Jewish divination where you go by where the the little children are learning their Bible verse for the day and you have a question and the children just say the Bible verse that they're learning to recite, their Parsha, and then that's the answer to your question, right? So um, it's the ultimate shuffle, as it were. So there is a... The the, the Sesamero is not like... God, this guy decided to pervert Tarot. It really comes out of a long history mm-hmm. of finding meanings in odd things. In How about random. you, Conjurman? Yeah, I can hear a Conjurman wants to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah, so finding finding meaning in, in randomness, the sortilege at the very core, is is what it's all about. I and mean, we've talked about on this radio show that 
their divination can be sort of divided into a variety of different categories. There's analytic divination, which follows a very specific interpretation. There's more subjective interpretation, like crystal ball gazing, etc., dream divination, etc. There is a very specific numerical form of divination, which is the number systems we find in the I Ching, in the I Ching, in geomancy, etc. And then there's the randomness of sortilage, whether it's the shuffle of the cards, the throwing of the bones, right, Get, reaching into a pouch or a bowl and gathering a handful of objects. Bone reading is a prime example. This bone reading doesn't include just bones. It includes beads and seeds and other items. Miss um, Cat, for example, I think you famously have a ceramic doll head in your bone set. Um, a ceramic doll set that, that you can pull. So the swordless component really is found in a variety of different divination systems around the world where you're just, you're trying to go for randomness. You're trying to find order within that chaos. And so you can use strange tarot decks. You can use strange decks. I know one of the weird divinations that I did that is involved with swordless is uh, colored paper clips. So when I used to work in an office, when I was much, much younger, uh, and in retail, I would, when I would, when I was bored, I would pull out the paperclip holder that we had that included all these different colored paperclips. And so I would just sort of grab a handful of these paper clips and then toss them onto the desk and then do readings for people uh, in the office and, of course, keep them from doing their jobs and then work. We'd all huddle <laughs> in the back over these. I mean, rather than work out onto the front floor, we'd be huddled in the back over these colored paper clips. We'd be like, Ollie, tell me what this means and, and can you predict this for me? And funny enough, in one of the instances, one of my colleagues, I pulled out and there was a red paper clip and the red paper clip had crossed across the blue one and I said this to me looks like some type of accident some type of collision is going to happen and sure enough three days later he gets in a car accident so sort of like wow. a paper clip there oh once you know how to read you can look for randomness in anything and start to read anything whether it's lettuce or the sesotero or, or in this case paper clips that are colored yeah. yeah, I I also so, used M and M's, colored M and M's, because lettuce. You know, to make the person eat the lettuce afterwards was, you know, some people. I I just don't want any more lettuce, right? So I I switched to colored M and M's, um, and it was the same idea. Um, it was very similar to what was called um, Hobrin's um, gemstone readings. You have a bowl of M and M's. The person right. closes their eyes. They pick three M and M's. They lay them out. You read them. Mm. Yeah. So, so I, um, and of course, the colors have been so with the with the Sesame Street. There's several things going on here, and and this is important to understand. The cards also have tools in them. I guess you would call them tools. Is that the mop and and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so those so, would have oh, the mean. Well, go ahead. Tell me what how this would work. Okay. So the. I divide the cards uh, into uh, three what I call neighborhoods. There's the letters neighborhood, the numbers neighborhood, and the other neighborhood, right? And <laughs> you can you can tell the difference between the three. Uh, the letters neighborhood, uh, those are the ones uh, with the uh, the uh, sort of orangey top, and then the green top is uh, numbers, uh, and then the red tops are the colors. And what's neat about this is it actually divides the deck into three difficulty levels because you can theoretically do an entire reading using just the letters neighborhood. It works like the major arcana. 
Mm. And but, but once you're ready to, once you kind of get the hang of how those cards work, you can work the numbers in, and that brings you into the fold with more of what I call systematria, which is uh, mm-hmm. the, the gematria of uh, of mm. Merrill. Um, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and it, that's your your numerology. I'm working with uh, numbers and quantities and stuff. Mm. Um, and then when you are ready to unleash the full power of your deck, as it were, you work in the other's neighborhood, which has things like shapes and colors, and um, it also has the opposite cards. See, these cards are double-sided, which, hmm. you know, requires a slightly different technique. Uh, like, you actually have to flip them, half of them when you shuffle. You know how, like, with a normal uh, tarot deck, mm. you're, you're, you're doing the butt-to-butt uh, riffle mm-hmm. to kind of get some, some reversals. To do that with a Sesamero deck, you have to, like, when you do your cut, you flip half the cards over and then do your ripple so that you're getting some of the opposites in there. So, wow. So, um, and so, at, and I'm going to say something. Do you, <laughs> do you play reverses? The stuff I saw, you did not do reverses, but you did have two sides of the cards. Right. Um, yeah. So the, the main reason I decided not to do reversals with these is it's, it's sort of on brand that since these are children's playing cards, I didn't want to overcomplicate things by adding reversals to it. But yeah. mm-hmm. um, the, the reversals concept was also covered by the opposites. And besides, how do you come up with, with a sort of ill-dignified reverse meaning of the number 12, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. what, negative 12? Like, uh, what, what is Right, what is yeah, I get, so. I get what you're saying. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, don't use, I don't use reversals in Tarot myself. Just don't use them. Never have, never liked them. Um, so how many total number of cards in, in this three-part deck? Oh my goodness! You know, I. It depends on how you count them because do the opposites that you do use count as two, or you know, like. Oh. So it, okay. Let me. Well, then so let me it, ask the question: How many physical pieces of cardstock are there? Uh, the physical cards is ninety, uh, just over a hundred. So, like a hundred and two cards, I think, is the, the final count. Because wow. it's three decks of thirty-six. So. Um, right, three three decks of thirty six would be um, one hundred and eight. Yeah, yeah, my my math math isn't what it used to be. But, yeah, um, well, that's a sacred yeah. number. You can't forget that number. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, so yeah. there are three decks. I'm just writing this down. Three decks of thirty six, um, and each is two sided. Um, right now, but when you, you don't f- use both sides of all the cards, that's the truth. Oh, because so, what do you mean? Some you, of the, but you well the. Oh, so the letters and numbers cards, like, they have the same thing on both sides. So flipping the deck over doesn't really do anything for us. Um, With the other's neighborhood, some of the cards have something different on the other side and other ones don't. So it's... Okay. So so the math here, uh, the reason I mention this is that I'm a kind of a math freak on sword religion. I, I wrote a book called Throwing the Bones, and I, I got into... I have how, it. Oh, you do? Okay, well, thank you. That's I do. sweet. Um, I have it. So I, I got it. into how complicated a system is based on how many numbers of variants there might be, how long it would take you to mm-hmm. memorize it, or if it's more or less intuitive because you're looking at these meme-like drawings, in this case, wouldn't be so much memorization because you're getting a... Um, a hit off the image because you know the character, you know the numbers and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but but so the idea here is though there's 108 of them, and 
108 puts it firmly above the tarot um, in terms of numbers. Because oh, yeah. that's right. So yeah. it's got it's more complicated than the tarot, and that's important to, for people to understand. The reason I mention it is people say, well, this is just silly. No, if it's got more than the tarot, it's already well on its way to being very complex, and it will be very nuanced in the readings. Sure. And, and the thing is, if we're even talking complication, I have a personal belief that it's not the cards that call the future. It's the future that calls the cards. So <laughs> the thing is, on top of everything else, it, we're also talking about the, the exact moment in time in which the person chose to ask that specific question to this specific reader while I'm holding these specific cards. It's one of the reasons why I have so many decks of tarot cards is because, like, it's also part of the reading to select one of the decks that is speaking to you in that moment. So, you know, it, it, the way I read tarot, there's, more, there's way more than 78 cards anyway. So, Well, I've got a question. You, do you read ever read regular tarot decks? Oh, I do. Yes. In fact, I have yeah. a whole series on TikTok where I was reading. Uh, I was, I was reading tarot for people's pets using the cat tarot. Um, and oh, also, when I was doing, when I was doing my tarot deck reviews, uh, a lot of times I do a couple readings with those. Um, I had a pretty popular series of readings where I was using Golden Girls tarot because I'm a huge fan of the Golden Girls. Um, hmm. And um, also a couple times when I was showing off uh, some of my my spicier decks. So yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so it, there's a woman named Marin Graves, a friend of mine, who has, I guess, hundreds of different tarot decks. And uh, she has a, her place is called the, um, the Parlor. And she had uh, little holders to hold the decks that are all around the room. And when people come in, she'll either, if she trusts them and knows them, she'll let them pick the deck they want to have her read. Otherwise, mm -hmm. she will pick the deck based on the moment. And, of course, the reading will be very different depending on what the deck is. I mean, if she's going to be reading, um, you know, a, a, a poker deck as opposed to a tarot deck, and she reads those too. They're mm -hmm. all different kinds, tarot of the white cats or whatever it might be, the fabulous... Um, fairy tarot, all of these different, uh, you know, the Halloween tarot, they produce different uh, results. And so yes. that's amazing that you read, you read, you're a collector of tarot for form, too. Um, mm -hmm. I love the oh, idea yeah. of reading tarot for pets with the cat tarot. Um, yes. So it's, it's perfect for it, right? And, uh, mm -hmm. You know, just because it, it talks about, it, it frames everything in ways cats do things. So, you know, yeah, I've got to read a people deck for a cat. A cat doesn't people cats, you know, so uh, I suppose I don't have to tell Miss Cat that, but, you know, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so having all of these different, and also, I also find that it's important because you can tell sometimes from the way a deck was designed, like how it feels about certain things, and if you're philosophically not in agreement with that, that deck might not work for you. I think a perfect example of that is how does it depict, say, the devil, right? Like I have a pretty specific idea in my head that the devil represents this sort of thing. But if somebody is defining devil as pure evil, then there are certain decks I'm just not going to use because it's depicting the, the devil in a you know, less purely evil way, right? So just as an yeah. example, or like the depiction of the emperor, like sometimes the emperor is ill-dignified in the image in which it appears. Other times they're very like noble protectorate, you know, like it's right. got to know how a person feels about that. 
type of authority. Otherwise, the message is going to be lost on them. That's right. And, uh, and that always says so much about the person who designed the deck, too. Oh yeah. You know, there's oh, a yes. there's there's a whole series that, um, of decks which I call the anorexic women deck. Um, <laughs> it, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like I think I might every, have one. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right, there's a bunch of them, and you know, and you go, oh, that's an anorexic woman deck. I don't think I'm going to read with that one. It's a you know body yeah. dysmorphic disorder anorexic woman deck, um, and. Yet there are there are decks for pretty much everything. There's um, of course, and there's people who like the pure Marseille deck. Where instead, uh, and this is interesting because the Sesame Street numbers idea is more like a Marseille deck in that it's straight up repeated images. You know, the fourteen of bottle caps or whatever. Um, yeah. That's, well, that's, it's not. Yeah. There's nobody doing anything with them. These are numbers, and then you have to interpret how that number is, and of course, what that quote suit unquote is. Yeah. So it, it, those are those are fun cards to read too, because a lot of times the the actual like animal that appear, or thing that appears on the card also has its own meaning. So, like, I love that you brought up the bottle caps because that's. A lot of times, that's the card that seems to come up when people are asking me money questions. So, which relates personally to me because I'm a big fan of the Fallout series where bottle caps is money. So, yeah, well, yeah. To me, when I, I saw that reading that you did, and I was thinking, oh my God, it's Carl Barks and the bottle cap story from Donald Duck Uncle Scrooge, and oh. um, I was like, just like mind blown that it was there, and you interpreted it that way too. Not you didn't mention. Um, the comic book, but it was like so obviously it was a money card. That was pretty cool to be. I, mm. I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of these shared reference, you know, that go back a, a ways. Uh-oh, there's our music. Okay, now we're going to put you on the spot and you're going to do some readings, okay? You got it. <laughs> All right. Okay, take it away, J.D. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour with your host, Catherine Idroid and Conjurman, and this week's special Z-Manzilla will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination, and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our calling clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum and you have not already done so, please dial in now at 818-394-8535 and press 1. Let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by the area code, and if your area code is announced, We'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, J.D., read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. Now it's time to go to the phone and take our first caller. Our caller is Leslie from Mississippi, calling from area code 333. Leslie, are you there? Yes. Thank you. Leslie writes, I would like a reading and root work advice for my potential love life in 2024. Turning it over to you, Miss Kat. Well, that was short and sweet, Leslie. What a <laughs> what an interesting question. Um, okay, uh, you want a, a look ahead in the year. I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to be doing your first reading, and um, 
The seaman will do your second reading. Ollie, a uh, contraman, will give you some root work advice. Um, what is your sign of the zodiac, Leslie? Aquarius. Oh, dear. Okay. Hmm. All right. And um, I'm going to ask another question about, you don't have to give me the exact age, about how old are you? 43. 43. Okay. The reason I ask these things, I want to kind of know where, you know, the planets are right now. Uh, I do a little bit of that kind of reading at the same time as I read the cards. I'm just an astrologer, and I always want to take a look. So for those of you unfamiliar with this, I use a, a program that's called Celeste, and it gives you kind of like a, a reading of what's going on in the sky right now. So um, the ruler of your sign, which is uh, the planet Uranus, which rules Aquarius, or we could say the planet Saturn, which rules Aquarius also. Uh, Uranus is in Taurus, and Saturn is in Pisces. Right now, uh, Aquarius, your sign, is clear of anything. And we're also going to look at um, the slower planets. So uh, Saturn is going to be going through Pisces. And uh, Uranus is on its way out of Taurus, but will not be by the end of 2024. So I'm just looking at this and thinking, well, you might find yourself... um, you know, finding somebody that you have something in common with, and it might be a Taurus or it might be a Pisces. That's a first attempt at looking at the uh, what might appeal to you. Always look for people who have um, some planets that are uh, similar to yours um, and whatever sign they're in. That's a good way to look for them. All right, now I'm going to read the Lisa Frank Tarot because I don't have the Sesame Row. Okay, I have Lisa Frank Tarot, and this is a card deck, um, if you all remember Lisa Frank and her fabulous children's little girls, um, princess kitty cats, and her little golden doodles, and her tigers, and panda bears, uh, school supplies, and so this is a tarot deck of hers. So I'm going to look at this. Now I know, just as it does with Sesame Street, it sounds a little... um, Silly, you know, especially here you are, and a lady in your 40s. But um, I'm going to read the Lisa Frank Tarot. So the first yeah. card I have here is the card called the Hierophant. So the Hierophant is uh, not the normal Hierophant. What we have here is a white baby polar bear with really pretty rainbow crown, um, sitting with two puffin birds. This is sort of an arctic look with two balloons with crescent moons and um, holding a cross, like a Christian cross, sitting on a big red cushy uh, reclining chair with two crossed keys in front. So uh, this card is a kind of like the Hierophant, but it's happy. It does point out Taurus, which is interesting to me. because I did mention that that Uranus was in Taurus. But it also points out some things here, too. The the rainbow um, represents people of all different types. The cross represents meeting somebody who will have a similar shared religious interest. It doesn't mean necessarily that they must be a Christian, but it says that's what you should be looking for. The puffins are very colorful. The, the, The crescent moons 
are celebratory. So this says to me that in spring, as the sun enters Taurus and begins to conjunct that Uranus that's going to still be hanging around there in Taurus, and that is the ruler of your Aquarius sun, around that time in, in Taurus, in late, um, well, late April, mid, early and mid-May, you will meet somebody who will be distinctly different than you. They might be from a different country. They might be different ethnically. They will be someone who is very much symbolized by the moon. They're also symbolized by this big bear and these puffins. They might be a little overweight, but they're loving, happy person and will be um, a fun-loving partner for you. The um, you would want to have your chart done with their chart and make sure that, that there's some connection there with the moons, that your moons are connected. Um, the next card is called the lovers. And so here we have, it's this great card to follow this happy bear. We Here we have um, little aliens from outer space. These are little green-headed aliens. They're wearing kind of... American, maybe Hawaiian kind of clothes, but they're definitely aliens. They have palm trees around them, and above them is a cat with rainbow wings, and and the sun is shining. So this says, again, that, that this person who you will meet will be someone different than you. They'll have come from somewhere else. It doesn't necessarily mean they're aliens from outer space, and they may, they may not be illegal aliens in the sense that they're in America... Uh, illegally, but there's someone who will have come a distance, and there's this is a blessed relationship. When you see the angel cat over the aliens, it means that you will find love, and this card goes along with the idea of summer, and so this is a very good time. And the third card for you is the card that is called the world and the world is um it has lisa frank signature on it and it has all of the lisa frank characters on it it has the unicorn and it has the cats and the spotted puppies and uh, you name it they're all here little angel beings it's the most it's the the whole panoply butterflies this is you get it all so this looks like it will be a good year for you to find love and the world going along with the little aliens and um, these other images says to me that this person that you meet may be quite unexpected and you might meet them accidentally, but you will be able to travel the world with this person. And that's my reading. That's how I see it. Um, it looks like a very good year for love for you. Okay, I'm going to turn this over to Z Manzilla and see what comes out. Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and put in the chat what I drew here. I uh, should add uh, folks that have access, if they have access to them, just they can follow along. We're going to start with the problem slide at your far left there. It's going to be the, the seven of cookies. Now, um, let's see if I remember correctly. I overheard uh, that you were 43, correct? Yes? Yes, 43 and a yeah. gentleman looking for the right lady. <laughs> uh huh. Uh, I see. I'm seeing seven, which is four plus three. So that's uh, that's uh, that's a symmetry, a good thing. Um, the thing is, it is also appearing in what we call the problem slot, which is the slot 
to the far left. Um, and it, this doesn't automatically mean everything's so dignified, but it more along, along the lines of this particular qu- case, or what this particular question is, we are defining what's going on here. Where are we starting from as we progress towards our solution? And we start with the seven of cookies. So um, as uh, Sesame Street taught us, cookies are sometimes food, yes, right? So because they are very sweet, there's a lot to them, right? And so, but the thing is, for every cookie, there's a cookie monster. So there's there's somebody out there that wants those cookies, right, that has that sweet tooth (laughs) for those cookies. And I think maybe you're coming from a history of of maybe people who really did kind of have that sweet tooth kind of thing going on where, oh, yeah, no, this is a fun little snack for a little while, but, no, I'm not going to make a dinner out of this. This is not, I'm not about to be a a cookie-tarian. Right, so you know that sort of might be where you're coming from, where you just, you want somebody that's like, oh no, I, they want everything you have to offer all the time, always, right? So, um, so as we move forward, we uh, we in the center card we call the short term solution card. Uh, I have drawn the near Elmo. Now the Elmo card is uh, this particular Elmo card is one of the opposite cards. It's near and there's far, and often when this card arrives in a reading. We're talking about a question of distance, like something is, you know, either close to us or still far away or something to that effect. The good news is we're seeing the near card in your short-term solution slot. So I'm, I'm afraid I have to concur with, uh, with what Ms. Cass said earlier, that this is, uh, this is definitely going to be something that happens a little earlier in the year, perhaps uh, springtime, yes? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah, so we're definitely uh, keep your eyes open there. But here's what's interesting about the entire reading for me, right? Obviously, these kind of set things up for us and give us a little idea of of where we're going here with all of this. But the thing that fascinates me is that final card, the Eight of Bats. All right, so a couple things. First off, this is a fantastic sign that we're going from seven to eight because that's forward progress, all right? That is a certain sign of forward progress that you are moving closer to your goals. But furthermore, the fact that we're seeing near there, this could already be somebody that's near enough to you that a lot of the groundwork has already been set. But the thing is, the symbolism of the bats is what's important here. Now, bats, uh, you know, we put them up all over the place during Halloween because they're spooky, right? They're they're these little spooky creatures. But 99% of the bats out there are vegetarians, right? They're they're, they're, (laughs) They're adorable little mouse dogs. They're just the cutest little things. You, you see one in place, you want to pet its belly, okay? But, mm-hmm. you know, we have been told that bats are scary, that vampires turn into bats, that they arrive on the wings of a bat driving a Harley or whatever uh, Meatloaf did in their song. And, um, you know, the, those are the, the way we've been taught to look at a bat might be shaping our understanding a little bit of what it is we're actually looking for. So the message in all of this here is take a closer look to your inner circle. Don't feel like this is a, a thing you gotta you got to look out into the universe and, oh, where in the cosmos on this giant planet of people am I going to find a person? No, they're probably right near you, and you've just been afraid to talk to them for the longest time. So, you know, draw your, draw your gaze nearer. And open your mind a little bit and let yourself see the uh, the cute fuzzy belly pat side of a bat, and don't <laughs> don't feel like you got to be hung up on the you know the spooky scary might turn into a vampire vision. So there it is for you. Uh, this Esmero has spoken. 
that is that is great. So it's interesting to me. You saw the bats. I saw the aliens, the little green aliens, also seeming mm. a little bit scary, but really being friendly. Uh, and we yes. also both had something similar. Um, you had the idea of the cookies, and I had this pudgy bear. And I said, don't be surprised if the person that you fall in love with is slightly overweight. Right? Maybe he has a sweet tooth. Mm -hmm. So we kind of came up with some very similar ideas through totally different pathways. And that's what makes divination so fascinating. All right, we're going to turn this over to Conjurman, who's going to give you some uh, advice on what you can do. And thank you, Zilla, for that. That was really great. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I think you've got some fantastic readings there. So what I'm going to do is recommend some root work that will help to draw this lover to you uh, quickly and swiftly and that you can find happiness in love. What I want you to do is start to write down what you are looking for in a lover. These should be characteristics. This is uh, a list of things you should feel, what your ideal lover and ideal love situation looks like. I want someone who is attractive, who is generous, who is honest, who is sexy in a loving, meaningful, long-lasting relationship. Something along those lines. A nice, meaningful intent. This should be, the key here is meaningful. So this should be things that genuinely matter to you. Take that, fold it up on a Friday at dawn when the sun is rising. This will be Friday in the hour of Venus. You're going to take your perfume and spray or cologne, perfume or cologne, some type of scent you uh, associate with, and you're going to spray it on this paper. You're going to fold it up and place it on a table, surface, bureau, some type of area that you'll work on. On top of it, place a heat-proof dish. Take a pink figure candle, write your name on it, anoint it, you can write your date of birth as well, anoint it with love me oil. Place this figure candle right in the middle of this heat-proof dish. Then you're going to set up a triangle around this dish. This should be a long, a pretty big dish. You can also use a cookie sheet if you'd like, if you want extra space. They work really wonderfully like this. You're going to take three candles, one pink, one red, and one white. You're going to take the pink candle and put it in the bottom right corner. Anoint it with come to me oil. You're going to take the red candle and anoint it with fires of love oil and put it in the bottom left corner. At the top of the triangle, you're going to take the white candle and anoint it with blessing oil. If you're looking for something long-lasting, you can add stay with me oil. Okay? You're going to place that at the top. Then you're going to take some violet leaves and rose petals. You're going to grind them all together, mix it together, and link the candles together with the herbs so that you have the candles in the corners connected by a trail of herbs. You have your central pink figural candle, a triangle of candles that then are connected by a of herbs. On that Friday at dawn, you will light the candles Starting with the pink candle, moving to the red candle, then the white candle, and then the central figure candle. Pray over this. Call out to the world and say, 
Lord or your creator or powers of the universe, I call out to the spirit of love. Bring to me my ideal lover to be with me, to love me, to give me what I seek in love that we may be happy together. Pray from your heart. Let the candles burn down for a little bit and then snuff them out. Repeat this process, lighting the candles, for three days. On the final day, let all the candles burn down. Take the piece of paper, the petition, from underneath the heat-proof dish, put a pinch of the herbs in it, fold it up, and place it underneath your bed that it will draw your lover to you. Take the remaining herbs as well as the leftover wax and bury it in your front yard. When you find this person, when you suspect this person has arrived in your life, and when they ask you out or when you go on a date with them, use the exact same scent, perfume, cologne, scent, that you had sprayed on that piece of paper, now use it on your body. Spray it on yourself, and this person will be drawn to you and will come to you willingly with open arms. This is my recommendation. It's a very simple working. It's got a few parts to it. But if you do this, I suspect that it will draw new love to you pretty quickly. Wow. Okay. That was fantastic. I was typing as fast as I can, and I missed one thing. Violet leaves and something ground together. Rose petals ground together. I knew it. Rose petals. Okay. <laughs> Great. Thank you. <laughs> You're a fast talker, countryman. Well, that's a that's a really good spell. And um, for people who say, well, I don't wear perfume or cologne, aftershave, whatever, um, you're going to need something to mark your scent. So it could be an oil, if you prefer an oil, but it should be something that you can feel comfortable wearing on your body. I recommend that you just, whatever, you know, whether it's Old Spice aftershave or 4711 perfume, this spell will work for anyone, depending, as long as you can mark yourself with that scent after you've done the meeting with the person. It's a great spell. All right. Well, um, it looks to me like um, we have a minute or um, so here. I thought we were going to have our next reading, but we're still not going to. (laughs) And the the reason for that is, I don't know. Uh, Ah, here comes the message. Bumper music is coming up. Yes, it was supposed to have arrived a minute ago, but it's coming up now. Either that or my clock and Blog Talk Radio's clock are out of sync with one another. Ah, there it is. It's so soft. Turn that bumper music up, my dear. We can't even hear it. It is there we go. the belly of a bat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There we go. All right, let's turn this over to J.D. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Carrier Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a direct ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. 
Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silent League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilentleague.org. It's now time to go to the phones and talk to our next client. Our caller is Miss Moody from New York, calling from the area code 631. Miss Moody, are you there? Uh-oh. No, she hasn't shown up on the on the client uh, call-in line, so you'll have to take her without her having called in. Okay, sure. then just read just read her uh, question, and we'll just handle it that way. She has not had a reading on this situation as of yet. I found out yesterday the man I married is hypersexual to the point of engaging in risky behavior and putting at me risk for it too. Been married only four months and just finishing out about this, finding out about this. His date of birth is July 11th, 1969. Can he change? What can I do for this situation? Turning it over to you, Miss Kat. All right. Wow. Well, my feeling on that one is we're going to have two readings. That's a pretty serious situation. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Contraman is going to do the first reading. Um, Zilla will do the second reading, and I'll give the root work advice. So take it away, Contraman. Yeah, I'm happy to do the, the reading here. I've pulled a few cards. I'm using the traditional Raider weight here. Uh, the very first card that I have um, does indicate some, some troubles right off. Oh. Uh-oh. Have we lost Contraman? We have. Contraman has gone bye-bye. Um, and oh, I don't dear. know when he's when he's going to call in. This seems he to be, be blog muted. talk. He's, he, hasn't cl- he hasn't actually cl- uh, gone away from the studio board. Ah, are you muted, Contraman? He can't hear nope. us. Nope, can you hear me? Ah, <laughs> uh, there he is. Oh, there you are. Hello? There yeah. you are. Hi. Can you hear me? Hello? Yes, you can. Yes, okay, we can good. hear yeah. you. I was, I was <laughs> talking, and for whatever reason, you couldn't hear me. It was a, a phantom experience. I wasn't even muted. it's a very strange experience but uh whenever we have disruptions of like specifically when it comes to the reading i do take that as a sign so the first card that we have here is the fool and the fool shows us an individual that has wrapped all of their belongings up carrying it on a stick and they're about to walk off a cliff with all of their belongings there's warnings that are being given a little dog is yapping at their feet saying look out look out and yet their eyes are cast skyward and they're about to fall off. This is an indication that uh, there are some dangerous actions that are being taken. There are warning signs and some of the warning signs are not being heeded. This indicates that this isn't just a matter of a person who is hyper and taking certain risky behaviors, but also this person's actions will put you in danger as well and everything that you've sort of built together. The waters that are before this pool are choppy and dangerous and look almost razor sharp. So it is an indication of, of harm that will come. The next card is the uh, Ace of Swords, and the Ace of Swords shows us a divine hand reaching out with a sword, and upon this sword is a crown, and from the crown hangs these leaves. 
Uh, it does. It is associated with virility. It is associated with sex, but it can be dangerous sex. This indicates to me that the ability to tame this person's sex will be met with resistance, and there may come some pain from it. Now, in root work and in conjure, there are whole traditions of taming men's hypersexuality or women's hypersexuality, the idea that if a partner is, for example, engaging in behavior that is too much, you can tame it. You can mediate it. You can moderate it. You can ameliorate it. You can sort of bring it to a manageable level here. But with the Ace of Swords, it is an indication that any action that you will do will be met with significant resistance. And that resistance might involve uh, some element of emotional pain, some difficulties that you might experience. So this is, might require root work, but the root work that you do is going to be sort of pushed off. It may lead to even discord between the two of you, open fights, open difficulties. The sword cards do indicate that you need a balanced approach. So if you do any type of root work, it must go hand in hand with things like therapy, whether it's uh, therapy around hypersexuality, whether it's couples therapy, some type of, of, of emotional support is required here in addition to root work because the root work itself is going to be resisted. The final card that we have here is the Ten of Wands. And the Ten of Wands indicates that this is a burden that will continue. So this relationship is, is not going to be easily managed and this situation is not going to be easily managed. None of these cards tell me, hey, all you have to do is do some prayers and some candle work and this will be a-okay. You can survive this, you'll be fine, and you'll get back to, you'll be together stronger than ever. None of these cards indicate that. Quite the opposite, they indicate that the road ahead is fraught with difficulties. And that while you can manage certain things, that you can ameliorate this to some extent, that you can improve the situation to a certain degree, that it will continue to be a difficult burden to bear going forward, that it will uh, hamper the emotional aspects of the relationship and the more fulfilling aspects of the relationship. So given this, there needs to be a little bit of, a, of an accounting that takes place, sitting down and asking yourself if you're ready for this long road ahead. And if the answer is yes, than to really start to plan out a strategy while recognizing that the strategy may not give you full success, that what you achieve will only be a partial success, and that this will continue to burden you going forward, that it may be a difficult matter that continues to sort of hamper you in the relationship. It is a difficult reading. It's not beyond hope. But there's a bit of managing your expectations of what you can actually successfully achieve in this instance. Even with root work, there will be limited success. With that, I'm going to turn this over to your next reading, and then Ms. Kat will give you some root work advice. Okay, Zilla, take it away. All right, I'm going to go ahead and put the draw in the chat there. <clears throat> So the cards that have come up here in the slots, and we're going to go over a kind of a weird phenomenon of the Chef Samaro here. This is an opportunity to do that. Um, it is, we have drawn the One of Ducky, the Tully's Octagon, which I'll describe for the folks listening. It is Tully dressed up as a crossing guard holding up a stop sign to represent an octagon. And the last card is the One of Teddy Bear. So... Uh, there is a phenomenon in Sesamero that I call a tableau, which is where you abandon the you know, problem short-term, long-term format if it looks like what you are looking at is a picture of a scene. 
And what I am seeing here is Tully holding up a stop sign in front of two, in, in between two individuals, representing a barrier between the two of them. Uh, and what's interesting here is that barrier is being represented by Tully and the guys of the crossing guard. Now, there aren't a lot of uh, authority figures in the Sesimero. In fact, there's only two. There's one where Elmo dresses up as an umpire, which is, you know, when somebody's just trying to enforce the rules to be fair. Um, and then Tully's octagon, which usually comes up as a card representing sort of hardline authoritarianism. And I feel like that's the barrier we're looking at right here. So there's a situation where, okay, so let's back up just a second and, and re- talk about what those two one cards typically represent. The one of duckies typically represents a person that is in your life in sort of a, an official capacity. They fulfill a role. That is their primary thing. You know, that could be like like a coworker is a good example of that sort of dynamic. Whereas a one of teddy bears is somebody that's in your life uh, who is, you know, close to you. It has an emotional connection to you. Um, it could also represent looking out for number one, you know, because you are the most important person in your own life. Without you, none of it happens, right? So you know, there's a, a very hard divide between those two aspects of a person, the utilitarian side and the loving heartfelt side. And I feel like the fact that it's being that wedge is being divided in such a strict authoritarian way it tells a very disturbing story. But what's going on here is, I mean, this feels like a situation that shouldn't have come up in the first place because typically when you're leading up to a marriage, you know, these are the discussions that are having ahead of time. You know, usually the, the, this conversation would have maybe come up at worst four months before the, the honeymoon, not four months after, right? So, this feels like the tactics of somebody that just assumes, oh, when we get to that point, I can just enforce my will, and that will be that. And in order to do that, what they have to do is separate the actual caring person with personal agency, right, uh, from the part of the person that is just what it is that they're looking for. And I feel like that part of the dynamic is what is going on right now. So the tableau has shown us the uh, is the situation at hand, but of course I would have an additional question for the Cicero, which is, well, great Cicero, but we're asking for advice on how to deal with that. And so what I'm going to do is we, we draw what's called a clarification card, which is a fourth card that we, we ripple and pull from the center of the deck, and whatever comes up, comes up. And what's interesting is that we draw the cookie card. Now, this is different from the seven of cookies. The seven of cookies is a totally different thing. This is this is the cookie card, which just simply depicts the cookie monster just just going to town on a cookie, right? And so I think that's what we're – the Shesimero is trying to get us to see right now here is that we are dealing with a voracious appetite. And that dynamic has to be recognized and addressed with the understanding that you're dealing with somebody that is trying to satisfy a voracious appetite, as it were. Um, and – uh, that's, you know, that, that's the thing. It's really hard. So, now, first off, obviously, the Sesamero, like, is, is based on children's flashcards, so these sort of grown-up questions are a little foreign to the language of the Sesamero, but it does its best, and we appreciate it, right? But I think what the Sesamero is trying to say here is that the, these, the, this, this voracious desire is – it's it's an unconscious, it's it's the sort of like the inner animal, the, the person that wants to sort of 
take and take and, and get what they can get. And that's the attitude that has to be addressed. And I'd, I'd like to sort of agree with Conjurman uh, on some of the points that were made over there where you're, gonna, you're looking at therapy, you're looking at uh, you know, getting a professional in to help out with these things. And, of course, you're looking at uh, whatever possible ways you can use to protect yourself and protect your peace and make sure that you are not allowing somebody to force you to separate your heart from your utilitarian functions as a warm living body. If this person just wanted to marry a warm living body to do what they tell them to do, obviously that's not going to work for you. So recognize what it is you are dealing with, and that's that's where you start your problem solving from that particular point. Uh, And uh, there we have it. Dusha Samaro has spoken. Oh boy, that was that was a heck of a wow. (laughs) That was that was very interesting because I was. Um, curious as to whether a children's deck could deal with such an adult problem. Um, so I noticed also, and I'm going to point these out again to people who are unfamiliar with eccentric reading styles, there were certain things here that were very similar in both readings. The uh, stop sign, very similar to the um, Ace of Swords, the division point, the fool card, stop, look out, look out, look out. There's, there were definite warnings in both cards. And um, I, uh, JD puts in the notes, cookies are also slang for vagina. Well, I guess that's true, too. <laughs> I haven't thought of that. That's right. So the um, what I'm going to do here is basically from these cards, I deduce that there is no root work that's going to change this person. Now, when we say someone is hypersexualized and putting you in danger, we don't know what that means. We didn't have a chance to talk to Ms. Moody, and Ms. Moody might want, not want to talk about it. So I'm going to go over some possibilities. And again, forgive me, Ms. Moody, I don't mean to drag you into here. I'm just speaking hypothetically. Hypersexualized can be someone who wants sex once a week when you want it every two months. Hypersexualized can be someone who wants it 13 times a day when you want it once a week. Putting you at risk can mean seeking out other partners um, on a pickup basis who may then give you a sexually transmitted disease. Putting it you at risk mean may mean doing things that are unsafe for your bodily integrity, such as the use of um, weapons, restraints, and also um, uh, doing sex in a way that would be unsafe to your bodily integument. So we don't know what Ms. Moody is facing here, but what we do know is we have a, um, a cookie monster. And we have somebody here who has what essentially is an insatiable appetite. It sounds funny when it's a cookie monster. It's not funny when it's somebody you just married and you're not feeling safe. You're feeling risky behavior is going on around you. We don't need to judge what that means in terms of frequency or in terms of style. We just know that it feels bad. It feels risky. So I'm going to do um, something I don't often do. I'm going to tell you, first of all, this relationship may not be able to be saved. And I don't usually just jump into that, but I'm sort of seeing that from these cards. But I'm also going to say you're the one who's ultimately going to draw the line. We've done the divination. I do not believe that root work will change this person's mind. Yes, there are ways to 
tie and restrain a person's nature, to get them to want sex less often, you know, dried snail powder and all of these things, um, you know, strings around the penis candle. There are many, many of these types of spells. But what I've already seen from the readings is they're not going to work in this case. This person is too voracious and that and any attempt, the, that, that card that uh, Conjurman got, the Ten of Wands, it's just a burden you're going to carry for a long time. And in the Ten of Wands, that person is walking on a stage toward a painted backdrop that looks like a happy home. There's no happy home there. It's just the next act of your life. You're going to be carrying this burden as long as you are in this relationship. I am not somebody who says, get divorced right away, but I am kind of seeing that. It's, it's, uh, Jeremy said, it's a major incompatibility. Um, And, um, it, it, it just may not be able to be fixed. Now, I would like you to do some self-help work. I want you to take and draw a tic-tac-toe square, nine little squares, three by three. And I want you to write in it nine things that you think about this situation, okay? What you like, what you don't like. Just write nine things. Any of them, and I want you to do it at random, right? Just totally at random. Um, then I want you to take those which you like and you can make them into X's and those which you don't like can be zeros. Another way to look at it is those which you think you can live with, you know, rather than like, be X's and those which you cannot live with, be zeros. And then see if you can make a tic-tac-toe. If your tic-tac-toe comes out like XXX in any direction, um, that means something different than if it comes out zero zero zero. It's a kind of a self-help divination. I also would say that my feeling here is that people's sexual set point is determined by their biology and their upbringing. And as my mother always told me, never marry a drunkard to reform him, and that could go for a drug addict as well. Never marry a gay man, of course she was a woman, heterosexual woman. Never marry a gay man hoping to reform him because he's already a gay man, right? And never marry a man who thinks that a pregnant woman looks ugly. That might not be important in this case. But the idea is you have to have a set of basic compatibilities. I'm so sorry that you got into a marriage that looks like it's going to be incompatible and it's a hard thing you know here we are three random strangers on a radio show but what we're seeing here does not look good and i would really say you know this is not not a good not a good sign that's the best no so no no spell work for you other than um maybe think about separating Next up, our network tritone. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com.
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Book Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt, Tuesdays, 4 to 5. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix LaFay in syndication, Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Zmanzilla of Pandangit.com in Seattle. Take it away, Z. There it is, Pandangit.com. Thanks so much. Well, uh, one of the questions I was asked uh, earlier uh, when we were setting up this whole thing was, well, how does one come across uh, a deck like this Esmero? And, you know, there's people out there that want to find their own unique way to speak to uh, the, the powers that be in the universe and, and find their own voice. And so if you're just looking for something a little different or you just want something that's going to call to you and speak the language that you're trying to talk, we got a spell here that's going to help you out. So it starts with Road Opener Incense Aromatic, okay? You're going you're gonna to get yourself uh, an incense, uh, the Road Opener Incense available through Lucky Mojo. Um, you're going to light that, and you are going to meditate. You're going to place yourself in a receptive mindset and get ready for a journey that helps you explore the possibilities and reach out to the universe. You are calling out to a guide that is going to help you. Because if you're looking for a voice that speaks to you, well, you know, that voice has to be attached to a voice box, as it were. So this is what you're looking for when you meditate uh, with your road opener incense. Next you are going to have ready, uh, before you do all this, I probably should have listed ingredients ahead of time, but uh, you need a series of three or more objects that carry the spirit of your chosen voice. So, for example, you know, with, uh, with the Sesimero, I might have uh, brought forth uh, a couple of pictures of, of fond memories from my childhood. Or, you know, if you're a big fan of uh, certain sitcoms, you would, you would lay out the, the images of those sitcoms. You, you know, find three or more objects that speak to you on a personal level that you're just really into. And the thing is, if you have to stop and think about it, it's not the right symbol. These are three things that you're like, if somebody had to sum you up in three words, what would those three words be? And you go and you find those things and you put them in front of you. And then you have them in front of you and you meditate while staring at them while you are using your incense. And then what's going to happen is as you meditate on them, there are sort of words and ideas that are going to pass in front of your mind's eye. And eventually those are all going to gel together into one word. And now if you're a big fan of dad jokes or puns, this is going to happen a little quicker for you. But generally speaking, you're going to come away with like a word or a phrase or like a, a series of syllables that's going to just encapsulate what it is you're looking for in a cosmic voice. And once you have that, to trap it in, you are going to meditate on that word and use it as a mantra. Repeat it slowly to to yourself while rubbing attraction oil on your temples, okay? And you're going to do this uh, at least nine times, okay? And 
the the more the more the merrier. But nine times is a good way to do it. But you want to meditate on that and rub that attraction oil into you. All right. So once you do that, within the next seven days, you will be out and about, and you know you'll be shopping or you just be you'll be looking online for you know socks or something like that. Something is going to cross your field of vision, and it's going to make that word just throw up into your head again. And that word is just going to pop up, and that will be the spirit revealing its voice to you. Acquire the object that caused that, that voice to occur to you, and then you're going to spend some time talking with it. You ask it questions that you already know the answers to. And this is how you learn that object's language. Remember, divination is all about mimetic learning. It's a, it's a mimetic language. So g- getting familiar with that new object speaking its language is going to be so crucial. So, you know, you acquire that object, you spend some time asking some questions, get to know it, and next thing you know, you've got a whole new spirit guide of your very own that you can use for a fantastic new divination tool. And then, you know, from there, just uh, get get on TikTok and show everybody how it's done. So, there you <laughs> wow, that's great. That's a you know, and that's again useful for any form of divination that you would be working with. Um, just a, a absolutely perfect. Um, I I really uh, was not sure what direction this show would go in because you know, like Sesame Street, you know. But I can tell oh, you yeah. are a master diviner. And um, and really have thought this stuff through very deeply. I, I'm greatly uh, pleased that you came on our show and the direction that this to- show took. Um, it is an honor to be recognized by you. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, I'd like to have you back again when you get your own deck uh, drawn up. And um, and then you have it for sale. Please come and show us that so that people can oh, actually spend some money on that deck, okay? Well, I was going to say, is this a good time to plug that I do have an I Ching deck coming out from Odyssey Tarot? Go right ahead. Uh, go ahead. Plug your yeah, I Ching uh, deck. So uh, we are expecting uh, by the beginning of next year, I'm not sure the exact release date, but keep your eye on Odyssey Tarot for that. But I have put together um, an I Ching-inspired deck uh, that uses a method we call the Pie of Panda. And it is, it's basically I Ching for people who grew up with Kadomis. So, um, you know, keep an eye on it. It's a 32-card deck, and I would absolutely love the opportunity to show it uh, to you and to everybody else uh, and show you what it can do. So, okay. uh, keep an eye on it. it's a deal. When that cool. one comes out, send me a copy so I can read it, too. And uh, we'll absolutely. have you on an Oracle Hour when that one comes out in, in 2024. Um, sounds fantastic. Um, and uh, we, you know, thanks, Jeremy, for putting in a URL for uh, reading Tarot on social media by Z Manzilla. You know, there's a yes. lot going on here. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to put out just one more little shout out to Ms. Moody. Um, I know Ms. Moody. I know who Ms. Moody is, and I just want to say my heart is is really hurt for what. Uh, for you. I feel terrible about the situation you're in. I feel bad that we couldn't just like answer your question real happy and tell you, and here's a little spell you can do, and it ain't going to happen, hon. So, Ms. Moody, um, if you need to talk to somebody, you know, give me a call. No charge. I just would like to talk with you about what's going on because this doesn't sound good. And um, we got some pretty difficult uh, cards and um and so wherever you are, Ms. Moody, if you hear this show <laughs> later, uh, just, you know, 
call and I'll give you a free consultation because I like you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. All righty. Well, there's that music again. And that means we are coming to the end of another show. We're going to... Um, Yes, Nagashiva says, Ms. Moody, contact me in Facebook. Yes, contact Nagashiva Ironwood in Facebook, and he'll set you up with a free reading and consultation with me. Okay. Um, right. Now, we're going to turn this over to J.D., and he's going to read our closing announcements. Take it away, J.D. Thank you, Ms. Kett and Condraman, and thank you, Z-Man Zilla of Pandangit.com in Seattle, Washington, for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our special guest from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers will be Papa G of FolkMagicStudio.com in Nashville, Tennessee, bringing us his topic of Arrow Magic. Once again, we come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hulu Root Worker Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find this cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Michigan, Gajo, California. I'm your announcer, J.D., joining you from HoodooHouseDetroit.com in Michigan. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour can be heard every week live on the Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via LuckyMojo.com forward slash radio show.html. For all of us here at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you'll hear the familiar strain of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you so much, J.D., for filling in. You're a wonderful friend, and it was a last-minute thing. So, yeah, our hero. (laughs) Um, I I also want to say that uh, for the rest of December, I will be... Uh, doing Patreon pages on tea rooms, ancient tea rooms, where tea room divination, tea leaf divination can take place. So that's something to look forward to if you're a tea room fan. That'll be uh, through the mystictearoom.com, one of my weird other sites. All right. Well, um, I hope that everyone has a happy week. I know we'll see you again next week and we're looking forward to seeing Papa G next week so time to say goodnight good night, good night. Thanks, farewell